gear up for game day and every day at the Hangar Team Stores. From hats to jerseys, tees, and more, the Hangar has the best selection of official Stars gear for every fan. For a location near you or to shop online, visit HangarHockey.com. Welcome to the Podman Rush, the official podcast of the Dallas Stars, presented by Truly Hard Seltzer. Here's your host, Daryl Razor Ray. Hello again, Podman Rushers from coast to coast, and those of you listening on shortwave radio in the European theater. Mike Heike is our dot-com correspondent. I am and remain Daryl Ray. This is the Podman Rush presented by Truly Hard Seltzer. Mike, Robo's run has come to an end. It's, I'm not going to lie, a little bit sad. It was an easy narrative, night in and night out, for us on the broadcast and probably for you as well. And uh, it was a rather glorious point streak, but it has come to an end. 18 games worth. 21 goals. Too shy of the franchise record point streak set by one Brian Bellows back in the mid-80s. Never would have guessed that it'd get snapped in a game that they had, what, seven power plays in and 44 shots on goal. But that's what happened. And Mitch Marner's marches on. Uh, you know, I, I just your reflection on it and what you thought as it came to an end last night. Uh, I was shocked to tell you the truth. I just kind of assumed it was going to keep going on. And I think the the greatest thing about the the streak is the amount of points and goals he scored. Uh, This was not, you know, just sewn together or whatever. This was, he is on top of his game, and this is a reflection of just how dominant he is. Yeah, the goals stuck out for me. I mean... He vaulted himself into the NHL lead in that category. And it just seemed to come so silky, smooth, easy for him. And it was almost every game that he was doing that. I don't think people even realized, like heading into last night's game, he also had the longest goal streak in the NHL this season. And it wasn't part of this point streak. Oh, wow. He he had gone... He had gone six straight games. He wasn't the only one, but he was tied for the the longest goal streak uh, in in the league this season, which is kind of crazy. But it's crazy times. I'm watching Mitch <laughs> Marner last night. Is he the best playmaking winger in hockey right now? It's a the best really one? good question. I, I, uh, he is obviously. I was going to argue that Joe Pavelski's pretty good too. That that would be a great argument. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, it's a weird dynamic now at forward in the National Hockey League because yeah, I'm not going to say all or most, but a lot of wingers are centers. It's just the way the game is played now. And I don't know who to blame, or I guess we shouldn't <laughs> be blaming anybody, but it just feels like, I mean, you, you look down some rosters some nights, and it'll list usually, you know, left wingers, right wingers, centers, defensemen, goaltenders. And you look down some and it's just like C, 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 C. They're just, it's like, how many centers do you have? They're all centers, but they're playing wing a little bit. And, and they take center or take faceoffs, depending on which side of the rink it is. It, it's very, 
Very uh, specialized now, Mike. It's an interesting dynamic. There are a couple, I think, who have passed through here. Uh, Radulov, I think, was known as a playmaking winger. I think he usually had more assists yep. and goals, yep. which is, you know, the way it goes. And, and then Zuccarello, I mean, mm. I think he's, he's, a, he's a, just a silky smooth playmaker wherever he is. Um, so we've had a, a little bit, and I think part of that is that Tyler was or is a goal-scoring center. Um, and so then you want to get a playmaking winger to play with him, and they might still be searching for that right now. Yeah, maybe we'll touch on that a little bit later, but just weird. It, you know, there weren't a lot of playmaking wingers back in the day. Your, your playmakers were always down the middle, and your scorers came off the flanks. But they don't even defend the way that they used to. Where, I mean, there was a time when your center iceman was basically a third defenseman, and he was expected to come back and be down low and help out now it's just first forward back is yeah. is your is your guy that helps the D, uh, and it, you can obviously defend a little bit quicker because of that. Uh, but I'm digressing. Look, uh, the the four nothing loss, and coming off of it, well, am I right? Was it zero for seven? Is that where it finished up? Yes, I think so. So a four nothing loss. They have an zero for seven night with the extra man. That included in there a four minute. Uh, power play double minor and a minute 38 of five on three and look i think they all understood and it was stated right after the game it cost them the game because they they offer did them in so what a perfect time to talk about the stars power play mike okay but i'm not here for any kind of power play slander Uh, i'm actually here to shower steve spot with praise for how the stars power play looks maneuvers passes Sets up, attacks, etc., etc., and etc. Because I think it's awesome. I really do. And I asked Steve today if he'd ever read the book Sacred Hoops. Have you? I've not. I wonder if anybody out there, I'm sure there are many in the, but there's so many that follow this podcast in the millions. So there's obviously a large net that would have. Uh, read and consumed and absorbed sacred hoops. Uh, and it, it's essentially documents in there, it, the, the old triangle offense of the, the great Bulls teams. Uh, and he, when, I, when I talked to him and I asked him about it, he hadn't read it. He had, Phil Jackson's book, right? Uh, one of the greatest, if not the greatest, hoops coach in pro, right? Would you yep. concur? Yes. Uh, but a, lot, a lot of, of reasons too. So, and I, I really like Steve and I like this coaching staff in general. I think they've, I think they've done incredible work. Uh, but basically the triangle offense uh, in lay terms, it puts the, it puts four players without the ball in motion. And it is choreographed in an effort to, kind of probe the defense and create automatics. And it makes every guy out there, all five players, an option, a scoring option. So when you think of that in hockey terms, you're in power play specifically, you're like, yeah, that that is that is exactly what you're, I think, talking about. A lot there's a lot of motion. There's when it's really on, there's brisk puck movement. All five guys are really a threat. 
and what they are trying to create are two-on-ones all over the ice to have the advantage with that. And he told me that there's a soccer background to both Steve Spot and DeBoer. And man, when I didn't realize that. And when he told me that, I was like, ah, more of this is making sense now. And even in that game last night, they had 18 power play shots. Look, Matt Murray played out of his mind. But the power play, when you watch them go about their business, and I know they didn't score, and that's the whole idea of it, and it cost them the game. But even in defeat, it looks phenomenal. It really does. Like There, there aren't very many times that they've gone out there this season. And again, they're ranked top five in the NHL. There haven't been a lot of games where you, you come out of it and you're like, man, they just had nothing. It was just a big, soggy bag of gook. And uh, instead, they, they're able to build momentum off, off of it, score a lot, uh, and rarely uh, were they even getting to their second unit because the first guys were getting it done. So that's my diatribe on, on the Stars power play, which I really enjoy. It's funny that you mentioned both basketball and soccer because being a hockey writer in Texas, you have to explain the sport to people who don't know about the sport. And I always use the ball movement and uh, basketball and soccer. Uh, usually I use the soccer more for transition uh, and how, you know, players transition the, the ball and soccer. And then on the cycle, I use basketball just to tell people what they're trying to do. And, you know, you can also mix in there a little of uh, picking off receivers in football, how, you know, just brushing by a guy helps create like the two on one, like you talk mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's, it, it really is intriguing to watch this. And I just, I love the fast puck movement. Yeah. Um, you know, I sit up in the press box and, and always uh, tell people my great ideas on the power play over the past two or three wow. years. Write a book. <laughs> I did. It, it didn't sell. No. Uh, but it, my theory is puck movement. You know, get people in position to shoot and get them the puck quickly. And that's what they're doing right now. It's it's interesting to see the slot and how guys just flash there. And then all of a sudden, boom, the puck's on their stick. Mm-hmm. And it's on their stick in a position where they can shoot immediately. If they're a righty, it's boom, it's right there. If they're a lefty, it's right there. And and people understand that. The players understand each other and where they're supposed to be. And, and I give the coaching staff a lot of credit for that. Yeah, I do too. But it is weird. All that said, the, there are always caveats. The caveat. <laughs> caveat crowd comes in. Rope Hints hasn't scored a power play goal in over a month. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. Like, uh, they've got so many. He had a hat trick the other night. Come on, he had to have a power play. No. They've they've got so many weapons, all these weapons, and and yet, uh, you know, he's been left out of it. I can see him coming downhill off the flank last year, but as he said, when I was talking to him about it, the way teams kill penalties now, that isn't as readily available as it was before. It's a real yin and yang, Mike to this whole power play penalty kill stuff. Well, you can even argue, and and, I mean, they've done a spectacular job, but you can argue, well, Tyler's not in the position he probably should be in to score goals, or Garyanov isn't in the position he needs to be to score goals. So you can look at it and say it's fantastic, and it could still be tweaked, and they may do that going forward. Or are they in the position to score goals, and they're not scoring goals? 
that that would be the argument of previous coaching <laughs> staff. I will tell you that much. I've heard that <laughs> argument a lot. Uh, yeah, some of that bubbled up a little bit last night even, where it was like, yeah. and they weren't wrong, but it was like, hey, we've heard this plenty. Well, all these chances, all that, we should have scored six or seven. Yeah, but you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, and Tyler was, I don't know if it's because it was Toronto or not, but he was just so hungry all over the place. You just figured he was going to get one. And yeah, yep. man, it just didn't happen for him. Nope. It hasn't for a while. Uh, yeah. he's, he's in a, he's in one of those little snake bit ruts. Uh, but look, uh, most of, of what you view, you are a sunny son of a bee in your elevated stage. Pollyanna, some say. Well, Pollyanna, glass half full versus glass half empty. And DeBoer has consistently cited positives after losses when facing the post-game crossfire of the local media horde. And there's a quote about that that I've always loved, which is, it's not naive to remain positive in a negative situation. It's leadership. So you're a real leader, Mike. I've always felt that way. So you're so bloody rosy all the time. So there is a lot to uh, attach accolades to with this club 26 games into the season. So what has impressed you uh, the most? What, what, do you, what is your go-to for your sunny as the morning daybreak? Well, clearly the goal scoring. Um, I knew it would probably be better. Uh, I didn't think it would be this much better. I think they're second in the league right now. Uh, that's a huge jump. I think they were 15th, they shut 18th. out last night, Mike. You're ah, going to go straight on. to goal scoring? Right to goal what scoring. What a joke. <laughs> this is what I do. I'm very positive. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, the good. Yes. Um, one, getting guys like Jamie Ben to score is impressive. Uh, two, I still think Mason Marchman's a bit of a project. So getting him to be con a consistent contributor is impressive. And three, finding a way to make that top line even better than it was last year, that's amazing. I mean, I, I don't know how they do it, to tell you the truth. I, you know, we talk about Robertson's streak and everything. When you look at his career numbers and then compare them to, you know, great players, he's right up there with, with some of the best players in the league for his first, whatever, hundred games. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's really impressive. And to be able to tap into that and to find a way to give him confidence, give him the ability to interact with his line mates, to not mess it up. Because I think there is a thought with coaches, Hey, I can spread this out and, and make every line good. Um, but, but I, the fact that they've done all that in the power play is a big part of it and, you know, push themselves up to, you know, second or third in the league in scoring it, to me, that's the key right now. Man, you are sunny. You're almost giddy. Listen to you. <laughs> it's fun to watch. Yes. Orion's belt has, has really belted it out. They've tightened. Uh, there's no question. Uh, I, they've scored 44 of the team's 98 goals again, 45%. Not bad. Now, some others, as you have documented so eloquently, have joined in. Uh, I was looking at, because the Leafs and the Stars played in Game 70 last year, so I went back and looked at the, the lineup. And, I mean, look, there, there are some guys that were here that are scoring at a higher rate than they did. 
but there are also some different individuals in the mix. So that that top line was the top line, and they scored 41, 37, and 27 last year. And what is Robo on, like a 75-goal pace or something? <laughs> something this year? like that. I think he is. Yeah, I remember Right now he is. Yeah. And then uh, you had a second line that was Jamie Benn, Tyler Sagan, and Marion Student each. And Jamie finished with 18, Tyler 24, Student each one. Short uh, sample size with him. And then you had Raffle. Uh, Faxa and Glenn Denning, you know, Michael Raffle scored seven, Raddick scored five. Then you had Kiviranta, Nemesnikov, and, and Radulov. And Kiviranta's already f- four times over what he scored last year. He scored one. Nemesnikov scored three, and Radulov scored four. So they, they, were, they were a bit challenged as far as the, the goal scoring is. Uh, concern and that doesn't include Peterson scored a dozen, Gurionov scored eleven, uh, that were also in, in the mix there. I think I think Glenn Denning was close to double digits. Nine? Does that sound right? That sounds right. So they got they got some goals here in in there. I th- I think the one area where the stars can imp- actually improve, and it, it's a bit surprising it hasn't been considering what you said about. I mean they are second in the league in goal scoring. And yet, if you look at the defense core as a whole, they rank in the middle of the pack in goals, assists, and points, which seems odd to me. It, it seems like they should be higher than where they're at, considering how this team goes about its business offensively. But it, it, that hasn't happened yet. You're seeing a severe uptick in Miro's points recently. Uh, but in general, just as a group, there there hasn't been that that big charge from the second layer that I think everyone anticipated at the beginning of the year. And and yeah. it's crazy that they haven't needed it. Well, they, yeah, that's the biggest part of it. But yeah. I do think the possibility is there for it just because of the, the skill they do yeah. have. I mean, Lundquist is a skilled player. Uh, I like when Hockenpah goes on the on the tromp there. He he has quick skates and and his hands aren't bad and then Essa he finds a way of contributing and they I think the coaches are in his ear all the time about go 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 and then you know I think Colin Miller had a great game last night and and I like what he offers uh so they have the pieces there to do this um but you know it's it's again maybe it is part of the <laughs> process of trusting that you can take some trips up ice and that your teammates will be there to back you up that and I was thinking maybe it's as simple uh, as they move the puck up to a forward and there's two passes and then they score and they yeah. don't get any point out of it. But <laughs> the whole thing started, it was predicated on what the guys back there did to get out of their own zone, which is a huge part of things for this team. But if they're going to overtake Boston, I think that's one of the areas where if they get a little more out of that group and then the obvious ones in, in Tyler and, and Dennis start putting – pucks in the net a little more regularly with the rest of them, and they'll be the high-scoring team in the National Hockey League. They certainly have shown that they're right there and and have the the ability to be that. Uh, the glass half-full stuff, I mean, they went into last night's game, leading the division third in the West, second in goals for, eighth in goals against, fifth best power play, and the fourth best penalty kill. I mean, you got to be digging for crap to find – what is negative or wrong or needs repair with this group. But we like doing that. 
you know, sure. try to find the devil's advocate part of things, but it's not easy to do. Uh, they have been giving up some goals lately, which they're, and look, as long as they hover around the top 10, top, they don't have to be top three. We talked about this before. I'm not going to belabor it, but, but they're, they're giving up too many goals. They gave up three in the empty netter last night. Uh, and that has to get, I think that has to get fixed a little bit, a little bit, a little tight. Yeah. A little, t- little tight, tighter. Uh, I'm writing a story for tomorrow, and in the first 12 games, I think they were fourth in goals against the the next 14. Uh, I think there's something like 18th. Uh, so it's a big split. I mean, they they were exceeding expectations yeah. in the first 12 games, but again, they they're underneath what they should be doing right now. The offense part is nuts, though. They oh, scored yeah. they, they they scored four or more goals in 17 of the first 26 games. They scored four. Like, they scored four. I, this surprised me a little bit. They scored at least four goals in 35 of 82 games last year. Almost half. Right. And that, that surprised me a little bit. Yeah. Means they had some really bad games on other nights. Yeah, they must have been dry on. They dug some dry holes every now and then. The other thing that's interesting is like the when they score. Uh, so I think they're first or second in goals in the first period, and I think they're first in goals in the third period. And to me, that's, you know, it's either important or it's circumstantial. I mean, one, obviously yeah. the first period, you got to do that. And then the third period, I mean, you're just, if you're leading, you find a way to get extra goals. Well, the the, the two things in the third period, one, if you're chasing the score, which they have a few times, and then yeah. they've just gone berserk, or you have a lead, the other team pulls their goaltender and you stash a couple empty netters on them or something, and it inflates your number there. The The most impressive thing for me has been how they started games. Yeah. Because they used to really tiptoe, and for a long time, and this is not an indictment on on the most recent coaching staff or anything, they, they, this team has notoriously tiptoed their way into games. And on home ice, and I would be perplexed why do you guys not come flying out and just absolutely throttle teams, chase goaltenders in the first period? Because there have been uh, generations of stars where they have done that on home yes. ice repeatedly. And you're like, man, if they hang in for the first 10 minutes, I don't know whether this team can or not. And if you watched last night's game against Toronto, the first 10 minutes looked like that. If yes. Matt Murray isn't as brilliant as he was, they, they might have – gone nuts offensively on the Leafs last night. Yeah, even before they got to the power play. Yeah. I mean, they they had probably four great scoring chances. Yeah, that was my point, Mike. They came out great. Thanks. But I was just mentioning that, you know, we talked the power play stuff. Friggin' echo in here or something. Uh, They, they, I think this is the good and the bad. They've only had to deal with the record when held under three goals now uh, eight times. Only, but they're not very good when that happens. They don't grind no. out wins, or at least they haven't. Uh, so they they have one win now in in the eight games that they've been in those low scoring affairs. And I think most of that has just been not really low scoring affairs. They just didn't have it that night and and couldn't score. Like I mean, they lost by four last night and should have won by three, right? In a lot of ways. Yeah. 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 That's how I look at it. No question. Hey, uh, there were there were no fights last night. I guess the Leafs aren't in that club where when somebody gets 
blown up. You have to go fight the guy because it happened three three times in the game. They didn't do anything about it. They just moved on. Yeah. Uh, but the, the stars <laughs> the stars have been on quite a run with this. It's almost like it's a doctrine, a team doctrine or something. When somebody gets hit, somebody has to fight that guy. Uh, and look, I I believe in it to a degree, to a degree. But it is still a full contact sport. And if they're just trying to send a message that we're going to stick up for one another and and play team tough, I'm all in on that. But it does look it, it looks silly from time to time when it happens, and you're just like, really? Like, look, when when uh, Wyatt Johnston got hammered by Simon Benoit, I think it was, against Anaheim, it's like, yeah, send the gang. Go clobber him. Uh, punch holes in his helmet. I'm all in on that. But some other guys, it just seems like, it. yeah, just get the guy's number and get him back. And there have been some massive open ice hits in the league this year. It feels like more than in recent years. Would you agree with that? Yes. And in fact, I mean, some I, I've felt have been borderline and there hasn't been any penalty or suspension. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of like they always talk about referees setting a standard. And right now the, the guys who like to hit are looking around going like, man, they're not doing anything. You know, it's almost like speeding here in the Metroplex. Nobody's getting tickets right now. Let's go 80. <laughs> so, you know, I think that, you know, there's a certain type of player in the league who enjoys that part of the game and, and it helps them help the team. And nobody's getting really, you know, penalized or suspended. So let's let it rip. Yeah, it, it feels like though the league, has clamped down a little bit on the guy picking the fight after yeah. the hit, which they weren't early on. And it, it just leads me down a, a trail where you're like, okay, are they going to basically pick one or the other? There's either, they're either going to outlaw fighting or they're going to outlaw hitting. Which one is it going to be? Well, I think for them it would be fighting. <laughs> well, I don't know. They're going – anyway, the Stars, they, they've been in a lot of them. They they went into that game against the Wild, that, and they got in a, who fought in that one? Somebody fought. I can't remember. Yeah, it was Sunday, right? Yeah, I know they're rolling together. But I mean, okay, so heading into the Leaf game, they had been in a fight in four games in a row, and in six of seven, and were on are on pace for like thirty five fights this year. They finished with eight last season, eight. So it, it's they're they're a. They're a friskier bunch. They're not only a more forceful offense, they've, they frisky, Mike. I think the young players help create that situation because, one, they're young. They need to be protected. And, two, they kind of make dumb plays at times. And they get okay, themselves in position to get whatever. hit. I know, but I'm whatever, just saying tort. some I, of those – you're Look, admiring your pass a little too not, long. Maybe no, you got your head down. It's not young guys. Guys have jumped in when Mason Marchman gets hit, and well, that's true. Other guys, whatever. It's it's part of what it's what they do right now, which is yeah. Uh, I don't know. I find it titillating. And uh, I like they, the guys who are making those choices: the Glenn Dennings, the Jamie Benz, Hockenpah. Yeah, like the the Glenn Denning one. It's a nothing game. Guys taking a uh, shot at Kiviranta. If he caught his head, he's probably concussed. So he tracked him down and, and laid a licking on him in a hurry. Yep. Yeah, good. I'm all in. Imagine other sports following suit, though, Mike. Imagine every time somebody got hit hard in the NFL, there's just a fight broke out. Guy came over and just started throwing haymakers. 
that would make the game better. Oh, shut up. Uh, hey, hey you're- baseball's that way. They, they what? brush them back all the Well, they don't throw haymakers. No, they don't. The guy throws it the one guy's head. They throw a missile at your no, head. No, 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 no. The guy throws it one guy's head or hits him. So then their guy goes out and hits their guy. Right. There's that it's the first. same concept. No, no, no. There's that first. And then it leads to, and then it's so stupid that they all leave the dugouts now. Like we don't, we outlawed that long ago where guys leave the bench or everyone on the ice pairs off. That used to happen. Fight broke out. Everybody grabbed on to a guy on the other side. You don't think that would lead to more fights? Yeah, it did actually. So the league finally stepped in and said, you know what? When there's a fight, you guys have to each separate and go back near your own benches. That ends. This really, then this really has become a civilized sport. Anyway, let's let's talk about the tools, and you are a wonderful tool for the stars fan out there. Yes, hopefully, uh, uh, consumers of this uh, podcast. But I did a deep dive on white tape on blades today. This is the kind. Look, Mike. This is the kind of investigative reporting that is demanded to be spewed on this podcast. I, it, j- it just struck me when I was sitting there watching practice today. Almost every one of the Stars' top scorers uses white tape on their blade. And there was a time when very few guys yeah. use white tape. They all use black, and the idea being it's going to uh, camouflage the puck and you know goaltenders can't pick it off uh, or pick it up as, as cleanly, optically, as they could off of a, a white background. It all made sense, but... It's hooey, apparently. Uh, there's no goalie voodoo needed. But if you look at it, the entire top line, the Orion's belt, uh, I'm going to force feed that one until it sticks. Uh, Robertson, Hintz, Pavelski, all white blades. Jamie Ben, Jamie's a tough one because there's only, I think, two strands of white tape at the, uh, near the tip of his blade, and that's it. But it is white tape. He appears to have put black at the bottom, right? It is white tape. It is white tape. No, I agree. I agree. It uh, always has been. Wyatt Johnston, third in rookie goal scoring, white tape. Hmm. Mason Marchment, uh, you know, hammering away at, at left wing, white tape. Do you know who doesn't in that in that top corridor of star scoring? Mm, no. Who who would be the top scoring defenseman for the Dallas Stars? I'll give you one choice. Hmm, that's a tough one. Come on, you can do uh, it. Haskinen? Yes. That's him. Or Heiskanen or whatever people around the National Tom Hockey Holy, League want to call. Tom who I know listens to the podcast, hammered home Heiskanen, yeah. Heiskanen, It's not Heiskanen. that hard. But they call him Heiskanen and they call Rope Hintz Rupe. Everyone or calls Ru- him Rupe. Whatever. Everyone. Whatever. Actually, the Finn, Finn uh, uh, television was there today. That was kind of fun. I did an interview with them about my experience uh, my first ever game in the Uruco Rauma, uh, and I retold the story for them. It'll be an award winner in Finland. You watch. So Miro uses the black tape, and I asked him, you ever use white? He said, maybe a little bit when I was younger, and that was the very animated conversation with Miro. And uh, Tyler Sagan is the other one, and Tyler's never, ever used white tape on his stick. Ever. It's always been black. And then, well, Gretzky, the greatest offensive player in the history of this sport. What color tape do you think he used, Mike? Orange. What? 
I'm joking. Oh my god. I don't I'm even gonna know. guess I'm gonna start going asking right myself now? the questions, Mike. Where you're going right now, I'm gonna guess white. No, he used black tape. Oh my gosh. Here it is. Here it is, Mike. This is where it comes back around. Put baby powder on it. So it was a black taped blade, but it came away a little bit grayish toward white in the end. So I don't even know what that, what does that mean? Grayish white? It means he's smarter than everybody. It means he was really friggin' good, Mike. That's what it means. Because that thing, and the baby powder was just so that uh, it stayed dry, like a baby's bottom. And he would pamper the puck, Mike. Pamper it. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of outside noise starting a little bit about what teams need, what they should get. I love it. It's so fantasy. They have no idea of what these general managers are trying to uh, maneuver and and keep together as far as their caps are concerned and how over they are and move money around and all that. We asked, I think we asked uh, DeBoer one morning in our little meeting with him. It was like, you know, what would, what would be a good winger? Because they've been rotated so many guys yeah. with Sagan and Marchment. And he rattled it off and then he stopped himself and he goes, but that costs usually six, seven million dollars to get one of those. And we just don't have that. <laughs> He's right. You just can't. It's not like the old days where you can just be like, yeah, no, we'll just add that player as well. You can't, you can't do it. But there seems to be, I don't know, like they're trying Raddick right now. And he's playing center yep. on that line. And you watch them and they do a lot of forechecking greatness. And and they are a fairly heavy line and all that. Um, but it, it also has to manifest itself in in goals. Uh, and and it, I don't think it has as of yet. And it's been, what's it been? Three, four games now? Yeah. With that group. I, I, that's the other thing I've enjoyed is the, the stability of, of the lineup and lines. Like there has not been, even in the games where they look like they don't have it and they're starting to swirl the drain a little bit there, there hasn't been a ton of line juggling to try to, to get something going. There's a trust that, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna figure out what like look at those games they came back in in third periods. Yeah. You know, down by three and four goals, and it's not like, okay, well, let's bingo, bango, lottery picker, throw it out there and see what kind of energy we can get out of it. It's stick to it. If we get one, we believe we'll get more. And they have. Yeah, and I'm a big fan of that philosophy. Because we've had previous coaches and you know, it their plan has worked and, and lots of good things have happened. But I'm like, if you're gonna be out there for forty five minutes, why not just keep your line together, keep your pairs together? I mean, it, it just seems to me to build some consistency and in the past, you know, we've had guys just let them pick their own lines for practice or whatever. <laughs> and you're like, what is going on here? Inmates but, are running the asylum for But if you're going to get limited time to practice, then, you know, get your guys together and let them work on stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I commend the stick with it and you guys figure it out. Because sometimes you, I think players are just waiting. They're waiting for the change. Yeah. Instead of nothing's going to change, so we might as well make the change ourselves here. And somebody grab a riding crop and hit someone, and and here we go. 
So the the other one would be, I guess, on on defense because you know Miro's played on the other side. He's he's played with some different partners in a perfect world. Again, in a which means a non cap world. Would would he benefit from uh, you know I, I guess a upper echelon similar type uh, young offensive minded. Uh, D-man that would pair well with him, or or is that not really what what might mesh best with him? Um, I think you're right that that would help him. Um, I think playing on the left side also helps him, which has taken a long time to get to that point. Well, they um, want that too. The coaches want that. They, they want it lefty righty makes them play faster. And I agree. Yeah, uh, but it's it's interesting that so if you're if you're listing all the needs for this team. The problem is Miro is so good at adapting to whatever he has to adapt to that that need gets moved down four or five places. Um, and so I, I think they definitely need to try and find either. If you can do it right now, if you can whatever trade something and create cap space, I don't think it'd be the worst idea to pull up a center and a right wing uh, from the minors and then let them battle for the right to play on that line. Because uh, Tyler's shown he can play center, he can play right wing. So whoever's playing best in the HL, let's get those up here now and let them, you know, show us what they've got. And then in a month or so, if you still have that cap space, which I think you do, and if you still have the possibility to, you know, move those uh, players who have been called up back down to the minors, then maybe you can bring in a, a an important piece. Um, and, you know, a lot of it, again, goes to Hudobin and could you move his contract? He seems to be playing well in the minors. And there's a lot of different pieces. And I know the fans love to talk about it. Um, but I, I do think I would say I do think there's a, some things you can do right now that could help you in the future. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I just I find it fascinating to just pretend nobody makes any money. <laughs> and then, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then, and then you just go, OK, well, what? We'll make this thing really rev. Forget about the money. I hate that. It ruins everything. <laughs> there was a time, remember back in the day, in the know. trade deadline? Guys I would know. get, uh, the Red Wings got, oh my gosh, I remember that trade deadline. Day. Chelios, oh, yeah. Ranford, yeah. Wendell Clark, I sure. think, all in one day. <laughs> Just run it up. Doesn't matter. Uh, but, you know, and I, I often think, speaking of the Red Wings, I do think of, of when they had Rafalski and uh, Mr. All-World on defense there. And, you know, Rafalski was a very good defenseman with, with Jersey prior. And he, I, I'll be honest with you, I never really looked at it and thought to myself, oh, that, you know, that, that's the perfect partner for Nick Lidstrom. But when they played together, he was the perfect partner for Nick Lidstrom. And they would run him out there every second shift early in games. And uh, it was just... It was it was a perfect partnership. There there've been, you know, many through the years on on many teams. But again, you got to go back to a lot of the the old school. It does money doesn't matter? Just load up your talent and and stick it all in that bucket. And uh, but I'll be honest, like even with the group that is here now, I get a lot of people when I'm doing interviews and in that that bring up they're they're like that that's a really good uh, sort of mobile kind of heavy defense that the Dallas can trot out there. And I'm like, yeah, it kind of is kind of is. Yeah. 
I think it's a, it's a good group of defensemen. That's why I think getting a partner for Miro, you know, is, is probably down the list. It's funny you, you bring up Rafalski. Uh, I think what Sidor was able to do with Zuboff is just the perfect complement to a highly skilled, highly intelligent player. And I think Miro is a highly skilled, highly intelligent player. So, you know, Daryl Sador was, I think, the seventh overall pick in his draft. Right. He was incredibly talented, and yet he was smart enough to take a step back to allow his partner to go do a lot of the stuff. But then when his partner wanted to use him, he had the skill to to kind of balance that out. So if, if you're looking for someone who could help Haskinen, a, a guy like Daryl Sador would be wonderful. Yeah, it was, they were like an old married couple too they would fight and then they'd go out and play great and then they'd fight in between shifts and then with each other yeah and then go back out and and get at it again but and i should probably mention thomas harley would be uh one of the young guys uh in the american hockey league first round draft pick uh left shot a mobile defenseman who is in the in the pipeline uh yeah. for for moving into the mix here when not sure, but, uh, you know, sometimes you, you sort of not here, you forget about him a little bit and he's, he's a supremely talented size, swift skating, offensive minded guy who they're basically telling down there, don't worry about the points, work on your overall game, which is the best way to develop uh defenseman. And then you got to live with the mistakes and warts when they get to this level and, and there are going to be some, but hopefully they're not as cadaverous as they would have been if they hadn't spent some time grooming themselves in the American Hockey League. Yeah, and I think Lundqvist is, an, is a really interesting prospect. Yep. Uh, he doesn't have the size, but he's a right-handed shot, so that fits with Miro, and um, he just, I, I like talking to him. He, he seems very honest about what he needs to do and how he needs to get better, and he's 22 years old yep. and a first-round draft pick, so... It's a nice mix. Yeah, I I think I I looked at that the other day. I was like, holy crap, because everyone likes to always talk about the 2017 draft. Yeah, and you're like, you do realize they have they also have a couple of guys from 2018 <laughs> on their on their squad from the first round as well. Yeah, so they you know there's there, there's a whack of high end young talent that is here right now right now. Uh, and they're they're led though by uh, f- what you consider a semi-veteran line now in in the uh, the hints line, and we've tried diligently to come up with the proper sobriquet. Did you have more that you wanted to introduce, Mike? Uh, I want to know why Orion's belt. I haven't I haven't been listening to the uh, no. broadcast, so I didn't understand the uh, reasoning behind. Well, that. I don't have any time to explain this on the broadcast, <laughs> Mike. What are you talking about? Well, here's the perfect opportunity. I like some of the uh, some of the fans send in great ones. I had one. One was the HPR line. You get that horsepower? Yeah. The Konami is it Konami code? I don't know that one. I don't. Know. I don't. I don't know. Uh, Hubble. I heard Hubble. That, Interesting. Yeah. The telescope their way through it and what have you. Look, nothing's going to stick. It it always has to be organic. You can try to force this stuff, but it never really works, Mike. Don't Have you, you ever tried supernova? It's like an exploding yeah. star. They explode like Still a, a good star. one. I saw Jason Spezza <laughs> in the house last night, and I thought of you in supernova. <laughs> supernova. But Orion's belt is is one of the 
most familiar asterisms in the night sky, Mike. Uh, along with, I guess, the Big Dipper probably and, and the old Southern Cross. Uh, it's formed by three massive bright stars located in our galaxy. And uh, it's in the direction of the constellation Orion. Two of the three stars uh, in this little uh, constellation are known as supergiants. Hmm. There. Orion's belt. I named them all. I named all four lines. <laughs> you have? Yeah, oh, yeah. I've got nothing but free time. Orion's <laughs> belt. Uh, I went with Wyatt, Wyatt Johnston's line with Wyatt. I, I called him Tombstone. Uh, I think that one's going to stick. I think so, too. Uh, with Sagan's line, and this was kind of prior to, but it's sort of including with Raddick moved in there. It's single wing, double engine. Huh? I like that. Yeah. And uh, and then the fourth, the fourth line's changed a little bit, though, because Dennis is on it now, and he doesn't kill penalties, but it was going to be some play on penalty killers. Um, but, it, you know, pretty good. I'm, I'm a very moderately talented individual with this stuff. You're Any final great. thoughts? Any final thoughts, no, Mike? We'll I really have along. nothing. Uh, I, I had several ideas. I think you shot them all down and said they stink. Well, so. they were terrible. That's why. Uh, let me go back and have a look at what they were just so we don't <laughs> move past something that is that is really important. Nope. There was nothing there. Uh, what about funny names and how you like to pronounce them? Yeah, well, I thought that's what you said. Names. I thought you wanted to talk about that top line again. What do you mean funny? No, no that was your idea last week about funny names that are uh, fun to pronounce at broadcast. Oh, like Uka Pekka. I thought you were. Yeah, and I thought you were yeah. talking like at Niels Lundqvist. How about that guy last that? night? That guy last night was a nightmare. I don't think I ever said his name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Durar Durarga Chintsov, Chintsev, Durarga Chintsev. With a hyphen in it. <laughs> when when the guys from uh, the Leafs and, and that, I said, how do you pronounce this guy's name? They said, just act like you've had five or six scotches and then you're trying <laughs> to say the name. And that that's about how it's pronounced. Durargachinsev. <laughs> Durargachinsev. Anyway. I'm a big fan of the Finns, by the way. Yep. Yep. The Yerky Yoki Pakas and the it's, Yanni Hakkinens. It's all Hakkinpas. All so. good, all good. Let's get out of here. Um, we covered some ground. I thought we really shined things up with your your very positive vibes once again, Mike. Thank you for that. Oh, I'm here for you. Our final uh, thought from me on this week's Podman Rush presented by Truly Hard Seltzer. And Mike, Mike this is kind of profound. I want you to just absorb this. I'm just going to okay. lay out at the end of it. And for all of you out there as well, you might want to write this in your Christmas cards or something like that. Life is short in the overall grand scheme of things, and you only live once. So by all means, make sure you spend 15 hours a day on the internet seeking validation from strangers. And as always, go start. You've been listening to The Podman Rush with Daryl Razor Ray, presented by Truly Hard Seltzer, an official production of the Dallas Stars. To stay up to date on all things stars, visit DallasStars.com or download the official Dallas Stars app today. Solid layout, Mike. Solid layout. <laughs>
Want to stay up to date on what's happening with your favorite team? Now you can by signing up to become a Dallas Stars insider. With Gurionov and Ben and a shot stop, Sagan rebounds, Get the scoop on the latest team news, exclusive ticket pre-sales, contests, and much more. Delivered right to your inbox. Ran himself right into oh, him. Oh. Subscribe today and start getting yours at DallasStars.com slash insider.